So, so which of these characters was Siberia, and, and which was him? Hi, I'm Nito Kitch, and tonight we're watching that Russian-language film that is not at all like Brokeback Mountain. It's Siberia and him. Because sometimes the foreign language remake is better, I'm joined by two films, sorry, friends, that like ru the Russian version better than the American queer classic. First up, she speaks better Russian than I ever will. It's Amelia. Uh, Dostoevsky. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> I forgot how to, I forgot how to say hello in, in Russian. So we're going. The thing is Donkishin. It's Dosvidanya. Dosvidanya. There we go. I was like, I know there's a dot, but we're gonna keep that Dostoevsky. Dos. No, we're Dos keeping this whole thing. <laughs> who, who's who? Who did I introduce? I forgot. <laughs> Dostoevsky, I am acclaimed Russian uh, director of remake of Wild Tigers I Have Known, movie name by Wild Putins I Have Seen Riding on Bears. <laughs> the acclaimed award-winning gay classic. And I can be found at The Nefarious Navigator on the Instagram. <laughs> Next up! <laughs> why, why do you keep doing this to me, Amelia? <laughs> they don't need sometimes. <laughs> coming on and doing these absolutely banger intros that I have to so, uh... <laughs> They don't need subtitles. They can feel what's being said. It's Ro. Hello. My name is Ro. I am biologically male man. And a critically acclaimed director of movie Cage Full of Birds. It's about a cage full of birds. <laughs> you can find me on twitch.tv slash sasqueenro. <laughs> Nostravia. <laughs> Why? <laughs> out of all... <laughs> out of all the intros we did, <laughs> why is the one that's actually, like, the most serious film we've done? The, it's the funniest intros. I don't Siberia and him is a deep exploration of a complex relationship between a stable hand, Sasha, who has an affair with his brother-in-law, Dima, and they have to confront their feelings past and present as they travel across Siberia to check on Sasha's grandmother, who hasn't been heard from in a long while. And if that sounds like your thing, and you haven't seen this film yet, go check it out! Because we're about to spoil the whole insert Russian dessert here! So, uh, what did you two think of the film? I like this a lot more than Brokeback Mountain, to be honest. <laughs> I wish Brokeback Mountain had been this movie, and I think I said as much in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can all agree that Brokeback Mountain would have been a lot better if Heath Ledger drowned Tobey Maguire. <laughs> I think that's what we're all saying here. Am I right? <laughs> How similar are her other two films, though? Uh, just so no one gets the wrong idea. 
I honestly wouldn't say they're that similar at all. <laughs> they're similar Other... in as much as they both take place in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. Yeah, that, that's and about that as far as And they take place goes. in the middle of nowhere and buttfucking happens. <laughs> in a tent. In a tent, yeah. That's and they about also, as similar and they, as they get. <laughs> and they also ride horses and there's goats and there's mountains um, and there's and a lot of scenery both shots. Very unhappy, very unhappy people. And one of them is married to a girl. Um, and uh, I think that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, that, yeah that's... Oh, and Hathaway about. is in this. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, and yeah, Anne Hathaway <laughs> pulls out her titties in the back of a pickup truck. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about the, the big positives of this film. I can't talk today. Let's talk about the big positives of this film. Uh, I think that we're all in agreement from like our notes. This film was fucking gorgeous. Oh, mm-hmm. for real. Like, yeah. Like this is on like, I think since we were comparing to Brokeback, like this is absolutely a significant, like lower budget, but somehow all of the scenery, all of like the landscape shots and stuff somehow look a lot better i think than broke back this director was an artiste honestly like some of those shots i think ro mentioned this in their notes too but like that there's like this one moment where dima is like off in the background and you see sasha like sitting in like that rubble or whatever like what looks like it used to be a window and Mm -hmm. then it goes on to like frame the two as they're walking with Dima on the outside and Sasha just like kind of enclosed in this like sliver of like a peephole in like this corrugated metal. And I don't know, like just the shots in this movie were brilliant. Like there was just so much in, so much information conveyed about the state of mind of the two main characters Without needing a fucking word. <laughs> and yeah, honestly, I was really to ha- happy to have shots like that in this movie that are so telling because this movie has like the sparsest dialogue, I think, out of all the movies that we've watched, except for maybe Salome, <laughs> which had zero dialogue. <laughs> it had it had text boxes, right? speaking of salami um (laughs) um i actually do think like the two things i really liked about this movie were uh the cinematography and i really liked how effortless the emotion was when people weren't talking like Mm -hmm. Because it was, it felt very natural, but it also felt like very conveyed exactly what they were thinking without them having to say. Like, there's this, the the scene with the grandmother, like, when they're leaving, and she starts, like, kind of, like, breaking up um, and stuff like that. There's so much emotion and, like, thought that you can take out of that from them leaving her Mm -hmm. that's just, like, perfectly conveyed. Um, without her, like, you know, in America, we would just be like, I don't want you to leave. I'm so alone by myself out here. 
you know? And, but, like, right. in this movie, like, they literally have, like, maybe a minute of just, like, looking at her and her conveying everything she she's feeling. It feels so thoughtfully done. Mm-hmm. Right? You know... Because, oh. like... Y- they reveal when you meet her that she has, like, forgotten to replace the batteries in her phone, right? hmm So, like, she is so kind of exiled from the rest of her family, and she wants so desperately to, like, have them near her and to be in touch, but, like, she can't remember to put the batteries in her phone. Like, that feels super relatable, yeah you know what i mean there's also a line from the mother where she's like i don't know why she moved so far away kind of thing um and i it feels like a a good theme of this movie is is sort of like distance oh Mm -hmm. yeah this movie has a real feel of like isolationism isolation and vastness yeah characters that want to just like keep as much distance between them and the people next to them as possible especially when they're like literally next to them (laughs) right and then when you get to like the scenes where like um sasha and dima are like talking about like, love, or, like, being intimate with each other, it feels, like, so strange. And so, like, foreign. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Because the tone of this movie is very much not that. Yeah. I think that they, the director, like, conveyed the uneasiness that I think both of them were going through just so well. You know, because, like... I think at this point, like, we're all, you know, in our 30s, we're almost there, but, like, we've all experienced, like, the ends of those relationships, you know? Where, like, it's over, but, like, maybe either of you don't necessarily want it to be over, but or, like, there's still something there, or you're trying to have something there, but, like, at the same time, it's just, like, super empty and, like, disconnected. And I feel like this movie conveyed that so well between... Dima and Sasha. Do y'all think that, um, cause a, a lot of times, I don't know why my voice, what I want to say that. Um, so like a lot of times when we have like more artsy movies and it just happened with high art, right? Where like, um, it is super gorgeous to look at. Yeah. But the content of it maybe is less beautiful than you're kind of like starstruck by in a way, you know, do you think that this like, no, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. It's like a, it's like a, like a veneer, like a shiny veneer on like a, like a turd. You know what I mean? It it looks beautiful, but if you dig under the veneer, it's not beautiful at all. Do you think that this movie pulls it off? Or if it's just, like, kind of, like, dangling a shiny thing in front of you? Mm, I don't think I would call the core of this movie a turd. (laughs) Yeah, definitely not. I think this movie didn't have a lot in the way of, like, character development and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think this movie was necessarily supposed to. I think it was supposed to be more of, like, a slice of life. 
it's like a slice slice of these like two a... men's lives as they are you know dealing with a breakup and also like going to go see this guy's grandmother and check on her to make sure she's okay it's like a slice of salami which to my recollection they did not deliver to their grandmother but we just they, didn't see it. It was but, off screen. But Dima totally <laughs> yeah, delivered it was, in, it was in the saddlebag. <laughs> um, are there any other places yeah. you felt like this film excelled? Or anything like you really liked about it, like the score? Or, um... I think it was really interesting, like, just speaking of the score, how often they chose to keep scenes in silence as mm-hmm. opposed to like choosing to score every single moment. And I really appreciate that in a movie. I like a movie that knows how to use silence effectively. And there's a lot of it in this movie. Yeah. I I think that's probably like the same, same for me. Um, I know we've said a couple of times that there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie, which is very true, but to be completely honest, if I would not have noticed that. Like, if I had just watched this movie without going into it knowing that there was going to be very sparse dialogue, I probably would not have noticed that there was no dialogue until, like, the end. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, I have some questions that I, I, I think we should speculate on. And, again, these are all spoilers. I don't know why you're still here if you haven't seen the movie. You know, don't yell at me. I mean, me. but also, like, um, keep listening. We love yeah. it when people listen to our podcast, yeah. Book Bookmarketing, <laughs> come only, back. This movie's only 77 <laughs> minutes. Go watch it. Pause the podcast. Come back and watch it. Or listen yeah, to it after you watch it. Seriously, it's not that long of a movie at all. Um, and I think I think the I-, I think you can tell that we all like it from like, uh, spoilers I guess uh, for the end of this podcast. <laughs> hey, we haven't gotten to the wrap up yet. Okay, we the... could have hated it. You don't know. Zero out of ten. Wrap this up. movie uh, was garbage. Okay, okay, okay. But for specifically, we're going to be talking about specific plot points because I kind of there's a little vagueness, and I just kind of want like a consensus because you know how I hate leaving things like vague um so the implication is that dima left sasha's body to be found by wolves right Mm-hmm. okay probably uh, i don't know what else he would do with it uh but dima also said that sasha was with their grandmother which means the family probably thinks he stays with her and that she's fine which also basically is leaving her to die alone as well right so he's basically like killed two people with one drowning. You know, I didn't think about it that way, but you're probably right. Especially since we've established that the grandmother has trouble remembering to like keep her phone charged or replace the battery or like take the time to call her children and grandchildren. See, like, I've. I think that they would eventually have discovered, like, the grandmother, yes, like, can't be contacted because she forgets to change her phone battery. But, like, I think if it really came down to it, like, the mother or the sister would go down there or find somebody to go down there and check on her. 
I mean, uh, I would like I would like to think that Dima at least like wrote a note confessing all before he does. Yeah, what he like does I don't I don't think the, the grandmother like, would have just like been left to like, die because that makes me spoiler really sad. alert and trigger warning. But like a lot of people die in this movie. <laughs> yeah. This is the highest percentage death that we've had in a movie, I think, until we get to Rent. Uh, not true. Uh, we literally watched a movie dead. called Nine Dead Gay Guys. <laughs> yeah. Per- percentage of main character, percentage of characters, though. Because we have basically... Let's see, three, four. That's, we have eight that's characters. Kind of, that's and, kind of, like, unfair, though. <laughs> Nine dead gay guys measured against any percentage of characters is a lot of dead gay guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll give that one to you. I'm not going to argue. Like, in any other context, nine dead gay guys would be enough at least to start a federal investigation. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Where were the cops in all of that, by the way? Um, uh, the cops were drowning people in lakes, obviously. Oh, okay. <laughs> Dima's uh, a cop. <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, because that's my next plot point um, I want to talk about. Uh, so let's talk about the death of Sasha, because it, in a way, is like a whiplash moment, and you realize that there's like ten minutes left after it, and um, the movie like still has more to go. Um, how did Sasha's death and the rest of the film impact your view of Dima before and like after. I already didn't like Dima or trust him before. And then he killed Sasha and I was like, what the fuck? Now I really don't like him. Like, (laughs) I mean, I agree. I don't really like, I think Dima is a very pitiable character. But, like, you can pity somebody and still not like them. Yeah. I pity certain aspects of Dima's situation, right? Because clearly right. he's in a loveless marriage with a woman he's not attracted to, and clearly he's in love with Sasha. Right. He doesn't need to be a cop. He doesn't need to participate in raids against his own, like, fucking community. Um, he doesn't need to murder Sasha just for not wanting to continue doing something with him. Like, he just seems overall very entitled. And it's not just that, because there's that moment earlier on in the film where Sasha says he doesn't want to have, you know, sex or something right then. And, like, Dima just kind of very angrily, like, goes into, like, the other side of the bed and, like, turns around and, like, with the pillow, you know? Like, I don't know. I just, I didn't like Dima. <laughs> While we're on the, the topic of Dima being a cop, one big negative I have that I... uh is the set for the police office is like the most basic room you've ever seen. It's like, what does a police office have? It has a desk and maybe a flag and a map. And that's all that's in there for the set. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, you know how I feel because I've said how I feel. But, like, at the same time, I do have to say that that gay bar looked like they set it up in somebody's living room. I guess I can see that. Just for me, like, the underground gay club feels felt more, I guess, realistic to my expectations. Is a good way to put it? 
then I mean, how many the police pol- how many police do you feasibly need when all that you're policing is like that shack over yonder and that other shack over yonder and that other other shack over yonder i mean there's there's stables for horses there's a gay club uh there's at least two places two different places where the mother and the daughter work um guess the daughter daughter kind of actually works at the stables too so the daughter and mm, and there's apparently a grocery store um based on the conversation that Dima has with the random girl that he says is dumb um I guess this is just like I I don't feel comfortable t- uh uh discussing <laughs> a region that we have uh not right. really looked into Full full disclosure none of us have ever lived in Siberia <laughs> This is true <laughs> One of us does live in the middle of nowhere, but none of us have ever lived in Siberia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of us grew up in a town of under 1,000 people. But <laughs> that doesn't mean it's it's comparable to this town, and that's what I'm basing my uh, expectations on. Because <laughs> that's what I think is like a small town. <laughs> um, so before the next point... I'd like to make a statement. Uh, This is not about rent. State away. We are a podcast that reviews movies, and we try to include movies from other countries and other languages. Uh, And don't let Amelia's flawless accent fool you. None of us were born or are from Russia. Uh, Dostoyevsky. So this is the best summary I could put together, and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and we'll correct it in the future. Uh, So while it is not illegal to be gay in Russia, the recent attitudes from the government along with the propaganda bill that makes it illegal to tell minors about homosexuality has led to a rise in homophobia, threats, and hate crimes, including against minors. Um, This film does touch on people's attitudes towards the queer community in Russia, uh, which include the attacks on the queer community uh, in the gay bar and the rise of homophobia. Um, we also have the gay... So uh, we ha- also have Dima trying to hide their assumably bisexuality, and we have Sasha kind of being more private and not so open with his family. And we um, have, like, one guy that's, like, really fixated on using the F word for some reason. But, yeah. like, the Russian equivalent of the F word, whatever that is. How do you think... How how did that, like, kind of impact you, sort of, like, the language being used specifically in that scene? The it attitude of that officer. It really uncomfortable. Honestly. Like, I get that it's, like, the prevailing attitude or whatever, but that still doesn't make it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think, in a way, that somewhat, not completely, it's, like, the pity thing? Do you think that somewhat justifies sort of Dima's actions when it comes to his treatment of his own sexuality? 
Mm, I think I could see in the moment Dima trying to be as dismissive of it as possible. Like, he, he literally was like, just find them and let them go. Like, whatever little solidarity that action is. Like, like I could have made it so much worse for you, but I didn't. Is solidarity or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> much solidarity. <laughs> how, how do you think that this film differs from cinema we've seen uh, from other parts of the world in its execution. I think, um, the mood feels a lot heavier. Uh, because, I think that's like, just because they're speaking Russian, Amelia. Well, I mean, okay, yes, but like all jokes aside, I think you know, it 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 is just a heavier mood because, well, we still deal with like. So yeah, I think I think you know while we still face like all those similar issues here, and you have like Desantis trying to like pass the "Don't Say Gay" bill and all that that stuff. Um. Russia has a government campaign that's encouraging, like, you know, hate-based crimes against <laughs> children. And, right. And th- yeah. at the same time, you have, like, Chechnya, which is technically owned by Russia, like, basically denying that there's a human rights crisis going on. Mm-hmm. While they're like imprisoning, torturing, and sometimes even killing gay people. Amelia, what, yeah. was, what was that one movie that you hosted? I forget the name of it. Um, Lesbians in a Car. <laughs> oh, Heiresses. Um, yeah. The so, Heiresses, yeah, that was a movie. So the Eresses was also in a country that is pretty, like, not as, like, anti-gay as Russia, but still pretty anti-gay. How did you feel this movie sort of compared to that one? As far as, like, content and discussion of uh, sexuality and the lives of the the people um, who are in the community? So I think that is where, like, privilege, like, really played into to the different experiences, right? Because in the heiresses, yes, like, there's discrimination against, you know, gay people, but also they were very wealthy. Or even though they had lost all their money, like, they came from, like, the upper escalons of society. And I think when you're in those upper escalons, a lot of the time forgiveness comes a lot more easily, right? Whereas this movie takes place with people that are clearly, like, in the lower socioeconomic statuses and, you know, on top of that gate. And that I, that's just going to read differently. And it's going to read a lot heavier, I think, one way versus the other. Hey, Amelia, say the word echelon again. E- echelon? <laughs> can, you, can, can you... Sorry, s- I... Can you say it's it in like a Russian the, accent? That's like the lowest form of humor, but like it 
I don't know. I'm sorry. Wait, what happened? <laughs> you said Escalon twice, and, like, I was, like, dying a little bit on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if someone, uh, and also, like, this movie doesn't really deal with, like, um, sort of, like, the situation in, in like, Russia or Chechnya or Siberia as directly as, like, the the other gay movie I own uh, from the region, which is called Stand, um, which we'll get to one day. Uh, but I... If someone is trying to find a film that feels like an example of gay cinema from this region, do you think this movie is a good candidate for that? I mean, out of, like, the six movies. I will say, knowing how long-winded Russian authors tend to be, I was really surprised that this movie clocked in at only, like, an hour 10 or an hour 15. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, it it has the tone, right? Kind of bleak, like, not overly revealing. Yeah. And, like, everybody's unhappy. Like, this movie feels distinctly Russian to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's so why I, I thought of Dostoyevsky first. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think is is the weakest part of this movie? Because we talked a lot about like the the parts we really like, but what do you think this movie could have done better? Mm, honestly, um, shedding some light on like interpersonal relationships between the characters. Yeah, um, I would have. I would have liked a little more exposition about, like, you know, the relationship before it ended between Sasha and Dima. Like, the the exposition that they did give us, like, most of it was nonverbal, and most of it was very beautiful. But, like, I could have used a little bit more, even though I know that that's not the vibe that this movie was really going for. Yeah. I feel like it could have, like, lifted what little script there was. Okay, the next one is fun. Uh, without saying Brokeback Mountain, how do you feel this movie would have changed if it had been made or remade here? Um, without saying oh Brokeback God. Mountain. Without saying Brokeback Mountain. Oh, God, I already said it. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> shit. I think uh, that... You said it again. <laughs> I think oh, no. there would have been a lot more focus on the, like, raids against the nightclubs from the police. Um, they also would have probably expanded on that, like, stable girl and, and uh, Sasha and had, you know, him also be, like, in this weird, uh, loveless, sexless relationship with her. Um, I feel like it would have been a lot more, like politically motivated you know what i mean like I'm a lot more... it's a political drama and we have a statement to make and we're very serious about it dima yeah, is actually a uh <laughs> is actually from a small town in ohio and has come to change the small village's way of thinking <laughs> um and also throws the first brick at stonewall <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god, I can't believe they let Corn Boy throw the first brick. <laughs> I that love was so nice of them. <laughs> I love that we're so far away from that episode and yet we're still referencing it. It's, it's a personal journey, NATO. <laughs> it's a callback hey, for a long time. I'll be honest with y'all. I almost made my uh, opening joke about Stonewall and then I. How I Ohio, Idaho corn boy went to Stonewall. Threw the first brick and made it all about I, me. <laughs> I'm a Russian director, and I have made a movie called Rock Hump. <laughs> <laughs> it's my self-insert Stonewall fanfic. Please so, read it. Okay, so Please I'm, read and review. <laughs> it's on so, AO3. <laughs> so before we get... You mean A24? So before we get to... Um, before we get to the wrap-ups, y'all have brought up something that I think we'd do a disservice if we didn't talk about a little bit more. Um, so let's just briefly talk about Sasha and Dima, because y'all have mentioned that maybe, you know, know where they're coming from, pity them, but don't like Dima. And I kind of like, but we haven't really talked about what you thought of Sasha as well. So let's start. What did you really think of Sasha? Sasha's a stone cold killer. No, that's Dima. No, (laughs) Sasha. (laughs) Sasha too, though. Like right before he gets stone cold killed, he's like, you think you're the only man in my life? I never loved you. Like, how could you do that to you, boy? Like. I feel like Dima was probably being a dick before that, and that was just like, you know. Yeah, I, I Dima's a cop, and cops tend to be like weirdly possessive. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes, that is a generalization, and yes, all cops. We we do believe that all cops are in fact bastards and not assigned at birth here on the Gay Echo Podcast. No, um, Amelia, we well, can't help it. They were born that way. Let's hold off. Let's hold off on Dima just for a second. Amelia, what did you think of Sasha? Um I actually did pity Sasha though, unlike Dima. Um you know, Sasha to me, like we open up with that scene of Sasha trying to unalive himself, you know? Um, Like, Sasha... And, like, the way he's shot a lot of the time is just so isolated and either dark or, like, through that slit or, you know, just, like... His eyes are so piercing. Oh, my God, he has beautiful eyes. But, yeah! (laughs) No, but, like, Sasha, I actually did pity as a character, you know? I think, especially, like, I don't know, there was that super tender moment with him and his grandmother, like, right after it was focusing on her after they left and, like, right before they left where she's, like, caressing his head and, like, yeah. I don't know. I really liked Sasha. On the other hand, like, if you could, like, kind of narrow down... What about Dima didn't work for you? 
Or do you think Dima was supposed to be an unlikable character? Like, they were written that way. Like, my theory about uh, Sid from High Art. Yeah, I think he was written as an unlikable character. I I think if you like Dima, then you're like... Then you probably like the Joker. <laughs> like, weird... <laughs> Joker's not blonde. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I think I think Dima has so much going against him that like I feel like Dima doesn't like himself. I do feel like he's deeply unlikable. The last unlikable. scene where he actually unalives himself kind of makes that obvious, but like you you get this vibe the whole time. That Dima thinks that Dima is an unlikable character. And I think it goes back to, like, I know I keep talking about this, but, like, it's such a trope in queer cinema at this point that characters are just unhappy and they don't know how to make themselves happy, so they keep making themselves unhappy until they die. Like, it's... Yeah... Sorry, I meant to say unhappy, not unlikable. Uh, no, <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I think, like, I think sometimes the two go hand in hand. Absolutely. Right? the The characters that hate themselves the most are the characters that try the hardest to make themselves unlikable. I I think, like, like for me, um, I don't hate him. But I don't like his actions, even when he's having brokeback sex in the tent. Um, like the way he's holding Sasha is just very like uncomfortable. And this is like shot and edited like it's supposed to be like, you know, there's supposed to be a lot of like, you know, you're supposed to feel like the emotion and the connection with the two, but like if you go back and, and watch, like, how, like, tense Dima's, like, hand is on Sasha's arm and the way that he's, like, holding him down, it's just very, very uncomfortable to me. And I think that's a lot of my reading of Dima is they're very unhappy. Uh, and because of that, their actions aren't so much justified as they are just very uncomfortable because you could see someone like doing that and then justifying their actions based on their circumstance. Right. He's, he feels toxic. Yeah. Not only to other people, but to himself. And I think that's the kind of point that I was trying to drive home earlier. I will say, I think that that's a really good point to to bring up in general with like this kind of stuff right because that was i think as much as i didn't like dima it was one of the most realistic things about this movie to me um was the way that he was you see it all the time with people overcompensating by coming down really really hard on homosexuality quote unquote and then like you know it turns out that they're gay like Ted Haggard um, or like, you know, hyper policing like their own community to overcompensate for 
you know, the fact that they're actually gay. Like with the um, BYU student recently that like had sewn the pride flag into her graduation stuff. But then it came out that she was like participating in all these like gay conversion camps and like engaging in really abusive behavior towards like the gay community. Um, so I actually really liked that aspect of the movie and I liked Dima as a character. I just disliked him. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I was getting at is, do you think, cause this is another thing that goes on, um, that I have trouble with, with subtitles and I'm getting better at it. Um, because I think this film was really, really helped because of its lack of dialogue, but I have trouble sort of like judging like performances, uh, when it comes to subtitled films, but because we have so much of this film that's like silent and just like expression, like I, I feel comfortable saying like both performances are really, really good from the actors. Oh, Super solid, yes. Yeah. All right, well, I... I think even, like, the actors that weren't main characters that had, like, very little screen time, really, like, the performances felt super real. Like, the lady who rented out the room when she was Mm -hmm. talking about her husband who had recently passed... And she started to, like... I feel like what they did was they went out into Siberia and found a lady who was renting a room and then, like, did some, like, Mm -hmm. mockumentary stuff. Or, like... Yeah. Like, like documentary-style filmmaking and, like, asked her to, like, just talk a little bit about what was going on. Like, because it felt genuine and authentic which that minute with the performance that minute with the grandmother looking out the window like yeah so many of the the performances of the side characters were just so authentic and good right it felt like they just went out to siberia and found like some gold tooth old lady and said hey be a grandma in our film for us yeah (laughs) and she like like going out and finding like natural talent out in the wild. <laughs> uh, what you're talking about, by the way, is this genre called, uh, and I'm not making this up, I swear, uh, mumblecore. It is legitimately my most hated genre of film. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it is like, um, qu- I think like Quiet City was like the biggest one, and that came out of my college, and I fucking hate that movie. Uh, go watch it. Uh, but like it's just so like at least like at least like um uh, the american version of mumblecore is just very sort of like hipster millennial like it's all the stereotypes people assign to us mm-hmm. because it has that same sort of flavor but if i i can see how if if it was used in a context like this that I would absolutely love it, but unfortunately, I've just seen it in contexts like Quiet City, which again, I absolutely hate. Um, it is not a queer film, so we will be not we will not be watching it and not be discussing it ever again on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I am sure it will be like only rent. this one time for context. <laughs> um, All right, 
So You are absolutely wrong, Nato. One day we're going to kick you off the podcast for a week and we're going to talk about Rent Behind Your Back. I know we've already <laughs> said this on the podcast, but it's going to happen. And I have offered. you least expect it. I have offered, for the record, I have offered to sit down with you two and recollect the plot from memory of Rent and have you correct me. I still oh, think that would be time. a hilarious episode. That no, yeah, this is uh, this is going to be a segment that we're going to call <laughs> Gay Extra. Um, and it will happen, and it will be uploaded in the not-too-distant future to... Uh, we can literally do it, we can literally do it after this episode. This podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we have covered a fair amount, and it's a little obvious what our thoughts are, but let's sum it up anyway, all right? Amelia... Do you want to gaze into Sasha's eyes longingly in a tent after you get salamied or punch out the girl you're managed cheating on? No, definitely the, the first one of gazing and salami. Gay salami. I would gaze lovingly <laughs> at a salami. And that's yeah, not even a tent long. I, have, I have gazed lovingly at many a salami. and I, I so. am just like actually gay for, uh, for uh, deli meats. Yeah, <laughs> exclusively. But yeah. Bro, deli meat sexual. <laughs> this was a fantastic movie. Um, I definitely recommend it, especially if you like things on the artsier side. Ro, did this movie make you want to check on your grandmother or have a secret affair with your sister's husband that leads to him drowning you when you reject his love? Oh, yeah, drown me, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) No, this movie, I don't think I ever would have seeked out to watch by myself, nor do I think that I'll actively seek out to watch it again unless, like, when a my hipster friends from Santa Fe is like, hey, do you have a really good, like, off-the-wall recommendation for, like, gay movie? And I'll say, like, absolutely, I've done, like, a bajillion episodes of this podcast already. What are you looking for? (laughs) But, like, I, I feel like if somebody were to come up to me and want to watch a movie with me that they were not actively looking to watch in the first place, I would recommend this movie. Anyway, that's what I we think. Know. It, it, it has such a... It feels so, like, niche and weird to recommend to somebody unless they're actively looking out to watch this kind of movie. But I would recommend it, yeah. Anyway, that's what we think, but if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your experience with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayCampod, that's G-A-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest a movie While you're there, why not suggest a movie for us to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Nato Kitch, here to remind you that I went through a whole episode about a foreign film and didn't do a horrible and misrepresentative accent of that country. Yeah, you just made us do them instead. Wait for it. (laughs) Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm not doing it.